if you got your Bible, I want to talk to you tonight about temptation. I'll talk to you about what happens during temptation. That if, if you, when we're tempted, the Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, he's tempted of the Lord. Because God can't be tempted and neither is God going to tempt you. How are we tempted? We're tempted when we are drawn away by our own lust. We're tempted then. So I think when we read that sometimes we're almost like, well, man, we're drawn away from our lust. We're in a season of temptation. That is exactly what it's written about. We're, we're going to be tempted sometimes because we're not going to always pray like we should. We're not going to always read like we should. We're not going to always make the right time for the Lord. And there's going to be times the devil tries to take advantage of us. Paul says, don't let him take advantage of you. Are you all with me tonight? Let's look at Matthew 4, the ultimate temptation. It says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he says unto him, "If, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written... I want you to see the devil hits you sometimes with scriptures. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil takes him up into exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he says unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaves him, and behold, angels come and ministers to him. Now, I I want to tell you there's another time, there's another uh, gospel that finishes that verse and adds to it. It says... And then the devil leaves him for a season. You can put that down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. God, I pray that you remove every distraction. In the name of Jesus, we bond it. I pray that liberty fills this house. We focus on your word and we focus on you. God, we give you control. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. I pray that you encourage those that are under temptation, those who have grown weary and well-doing under the battle. I pray you encourage them, Lord. I pray you lift them up, Jesus. We look to you tonight, the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray for a holy unction, Father God. The anointing that breaks yokes of bondage, that strengthens God. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you look at the temptation of Jesus... The first thing I want you to notice is the Holy Spirit, after a great battle, if you read Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes down to be baptized. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes and ascends on him. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. 
I just want to make sure you understand it's a simile and he's trying to explain to you he lights on him like a dove. I know a lot of people that say, read that kind of backwards, the dove like the spirit. That's not that way, okay? It's, it's like a dove. So, and then God himself speaks. You ever been in a church service and you knew directly that God was speaking to your heart and he encouraged you? He excited. He said, this is my beloved son. And have you ever felt that before? You felt like God was like telling you, you're my child. I love you. I'm with you. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. And you feel that and you hear that and you're excited. And it says the very next verse, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus where he doesn't want to go in the flesh right to be tempted. He leads him directly to Satan. And I'm telling you tonight, if you've made up your mind you're going to serve Christ, you're going to find the devil in the trenches. You're going to have, you've got to be renewed daily. There are going to be things you have to do. And let, just look, look at this. The first thing that he does is he begins to question, did God tell you? He begins to question what God says. If you are the son of God, well, I thought God just told him he was the son of God. There's a lot of Christians that are not serving God today because the devil got in by asking him a question. Well, does God really mean you can't do that? Does God really mean that you can't do this? When he says no wicked thing before your eyes, does he mean no wicked things except for the TV shows you like? Oh, he's alive and well today. The same devil. When he says you got to love your enemies, does he mean the enemies that are sorry they wronged you? Or does he mean love all your enemies? He begins to make you question what God said. He, may, he begins to make you prove yourself, your son or daughtership. There's a lot of Christians today that if they would relax and understand they belong to God and they knew they were gods, they would never have to prove to anybody they're gods. Jesus didn't do it and he doesn't expect us to do it. Amen. Amen? You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. But if the devil starts saying, now if, now did God, if you're really a child of God, let's go to the next level. If you're really the child of God, would God really let that happen to you? Would you be going through what you're going through if you're a child of God? Where's God? Right? Look at the next thing that happens to him. Put up Matthew um, 4 back up, JT. Let's just start with verse 1 and let's go down real quick. It says, Then Jesus was led up in the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came, listen, let me say this. Jesus' flesh wanted food. There are things that our flesh want. And if we instantly gratify the flesh in the temptation, it'll cost us. It would have cost Christ everything right here. I don't know if you realize how serious this temptation was, but if he had to prove what God said, it would have messed up everything. There are going to be times in your life where your flesh wants something and you hunger for something of this world. Come on, y'all acting like there's halos on everybody's head in here. We're human. And we fight, and listen, I'm not excusing us. 
But we have the one on, in the inside of us that conquered and won and can lead us past all temptation. The Bible even says, when every temptation makes a way of escape, Amen. you'll get hungry. And the devil will say, just eat it. Go ahead and just whip up some stones into bread. I wonder how many people have lost the victory because they just ate the bread. They couldn't just wait on the Lord. Look at verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written. So we just came off a three-week series in here on the Word of God. And next week we start a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And so if you know anybody that's curious about the Holy Spirit, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. But this would be a good ending on the, the Word and the Spirit. This will be a good transition. I want you to see something. Jesus had all authority... He was the word, but he was teaching us how we should act, how we should handle ourselves, how we should be. And he would never respond back to Satan without it is written. He could have said get hints a long time ago, but he knew he was in it for us. Hebrews 4, I don't even know if I'll get to it, says that he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So now we can go to a faithful high priest who will give us grace to help in the time of need. He understood that he was in the temptation for us. And instead of just telling, he said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. I could cast him down in a second, but he did not do it for our sake. He wanted to get as weak as he could so he could understand and feel our infirmities when we're under attack and we're under besiegement. I'm telling you, you better get in the word of God. It'll always conquer the devil. The devil is 100%. I promise you, it takes all authority over it. He is obedient to the word of God. It scares me though how little Christians read the word of God. The devil's beating their eyes out. And every time you see him, how you doing? I'm barely making it. I'm treading water. The water's right here. And I'm just trying to make it. Yeah. You don't make the word your priority? He'll beat your ears out. You know what'll really happen though? What happened to a lot of people? They quit treading and then make a deal with him. See, in Isaiah, I read one of the saddest scriptures I've ever read. God comes to Israel and says, your enemies said, lay down and make, make us a highway. We'll walk on your backs. And the Bible says, Israel laid down. The God of victory. The God that led them through success. They just laid down. How many Christians today, because they don't study, because they don't read, because they don't prioritize this, they think they know the basics of it. How many of them have laid down and told the devil, look, if you won't mess with me, I won't mess with you. I just want to go to church. I want to enjoy my friends. I just want to have a good life. You don't think the devil's content with that? He is. I don't know about you, but I, I told Donna the other day, mediocrity makes me sick at my stomach. Me and her were talking. I was like, there should be something inside believers. And she was, we were together talking there should be something inside believers that want more. Paul talks about, I press forward. And he says, I want you to increase more and more. He writes again and says, more and more. There's got to be a deeper understanding. You've never got to the place where you've seen Jesus at his fullness. 
There's got to be something in our hearts where we're polishing our sword. And he was like, I've got to live not by the food of what I want to do, but I've got to live by the food of what he called me to do. Amen. Amen? God, help us. Keep reading verse 5. Then the devil takes him up in the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and says to him, Hold right there. Just keep that up. The second place that the devil will hit you is number one in your hunger. Hit you in your hunger. He, the devil is watching what you look too much at. The, you don't realize it, but the devil is always watching your behavior. He can't read your mind like God. Maybe sometimes I feel like we should do a study of the devil and how he works. Because he's a roaring lion and he's a serpent and he's the angel, appears as the angel of light. You got to know, he watches you. When you see something, you tell him most of the time what your heart's after. Oh, they're always wanting a new car. Oh, they're always wanting things in this world. I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I had. Oh, we'll just cover them in greed. We'll cover them in covetousness. I'll throw everything in front of them I can. I'll let them see what everybody else has, and I won't show them one single thing, the problem attached to it. I just wish we could have this. I just wish we could have that. And the devil's sitting there going, this is good. Keep talking to me. I'm listening. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. And then you have to, why does it, all of us are that way. I'm not talking down to anybody. We're all that way. And he has to write and say, hey, you have to be content with the things that you have. Why? Because he said he will never leave you or never forsake you. How do you beat that spirit? You tell it the word. No, I've got Jesus with me. I am content with what I have. The will of God concerning me is to give thanks always for what I have. That's how you beat him. He has nothing on you. Listen, I'm telling you, we got a new house and I started looking at how to decorate the walls and I started looking at Pinterest and started looking at Etsy and started looking at all these things and I'm telling you, I realized quickly the devil has his hook in that crap and that's exactly what it is. It's garbage. He will hook your mind into seeing what everybody else has. I, what I need. Well, you know, if we could do this, if we could just remodel the kitchen, if we could just do this. I'm like, how many missionaries are sitting on the field tonight going, I wish you wouldn't remodel your kitchen. I just wish you would give to us because there's so many of these kids that are dying of hunger we could reach. It happens. We get carried away. What brings us back to center? Listen, if you don't like the fact I said crap, it's in the Bible. It's, it's called dung, Okay. That's what it is. It's rubbish. That's what happens to us. Our head gets filled with rubbish. You have to get back to center. You have to see what this is. You, we have to get back to a place where this is a priority and we only beat Satan. Listen, I'm telling you, I want you to start thinking about and listen to people, how much they talk about ways they deal with satanic attacks nowadays. We almost live in a culture that doesn't acknowledge 
the spiritual world. Easter, I made a joke about a guy I know that weasel kicked a dude that was demon-possessed. You could feel it in the atmosphere that people were like, demon-possessed? I mean, we're in the modern era. Yeah, because demons just dissipated. Oh, it's 2019. Bye-bye. They flew all away. He's hoodwinked us. Now we have fancy names for it. I'm not going to go what those names are. I'll make some of you mad. I'm telling you, I believe a lot of believers confess that they have things that are nothing but demonic attacks. And because they fail to read their word on a daily basis, the devil has dominion over them. Amen. He says, so the second place, at least you know I've only got 11 verses, so you know you got five more and you're out of here. Six plus, we're good. The second place he attacks you the hardest is the house of God. He brought him to church. There, I'm telling you, the devil absolutely loves sitting outside waiting on us to have a good service. He loves it. You think, oh, he's scared of it. No, 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 he's waiting on you. He knows that you're going to let your guard down. You're going to get up on cloud nine. You're going to rejoice. And you're going to be full of love. You're going to drop your weapons. You're going to take off your helmet of salvation. Lay down your seat. It's heavy. You're going to rejoice and you're going to walk right out there. And for the next week or two, you're going to be worthless to the kingdom because you're so full on an encounter. I'm telling you, I've seen it. But let me tell you something else he does. He doesn't just wait out there all the time. He comes in here. When I was a young Christian and I got saved, it took me a while to understand that everybody could be getting a blessing and I would be sitting like I was in the middle of World War IV in my head and it was going back and forth and I started to understand something. Spiritual warfare doesn't stop at the door. You can come in here. Listen, I, I listened to a preacher the other day who I love talk about how many times he has a like 30 scriptures he quotes as he's on the pull up on the stage at his church as he's standing there waiting to preach. That's why when I'm, I'm ready, I don't like foolishness on Sundays. I don't like any kind of anything. I want to get in the pulpit and deliver the message because the longer we delay and the longer we wait, the more the devil can distract my mind from the call. And he was like, I read 30 scriptures. I just keep reading them over and over. And he just started going through every scripture over the 20 or 30 years he's preached. He lived because there's an attack on him. That's why when you just show up to church and you don't take any responsibility for the service, you don't pray for the leaders, you don't pray for the singers, that's, they're getting attacked all the time. It's our job to take authority over the enemy and to bind him and to cast him down. I walked into a service a couple of weeks ago here. Some of you remember it. When I was driving in, the Lord said, there's a devil in there. Bind it. When you get, and I, I, he don't tell me that often. And I walked in and I could feel it. And we bound that enemy that was going to try to distract and try to take away from the message. We have to be involved in the house of God. We've got to put on the full armor always. That's why he took him to the church. So I took him there. If you really want to look at something, Jesus' first message he ever preached, he walked into the temple and he flipped open the scriptures to Isaiah 61, which has always intrigued me that he was the word, knowing that he didn't really have to flip there. 
You ever thought about that? Maybe I just think about stuff like that. I'm like, he already knew it. But he flipped there and he started reading, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he has anointed me. And we're going to talk the next couple of weeks about what it means to be anointed. I don't hear that anymore. Man, when I was growing up, our prayer was, God, anoint us. Anoint the band. I remember when we first got here, there would be nights where we would lay in prayer and God would lay on my heart, I want you to get the oil and I want you to anoint every pew. I want you to consecrate every single pew and say, God, this is your house. This is your place. I want you to convict. I want your anointing to break every yoke of bondage. But see, if we quit reading our Bibles and we just settle for little stories that we hear from preachers, you'll never get to the depth of anointing. So he's reading about the anointing. And all of a sudden, two guys that have been sitting there the whole time manifest demonic powers instantly. Right in the church, sitting right there on the pews beside the people. They had no discernment to realize what was happening in the church. You better be on guard. You better watch who you yoke up to in church. We're supposed to love everybody. Yeah, you love them, but you better let your Peter, James, and John, who you bring close, you better make sure Peter, James, and John are who they say they are. You better be careful in the house of God. Listen, I've seen people get together in church and start gropping about what they don't like and gropping about what they don't. And the next thing you know, they've made huge mountains out of mohills and God can't even move in the church because they didn't like a light change. Shut them down. Be like, I love you and I respect you. I'm not listening to that. Well, they might get their feelings hurt. God is getting grieved. You got to care more about him. I'm telling y'all. I did it the other day. I I stopped somebody. I said, I am getting victory. I'm not talking negative about anybody. And they didn't get offended at all. Because they love the Lord. They're like, you're right. Let's talk about all the good things. I was thinking yesterday, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest. Some people act like everything they're told in gossip is truth. When it says love believes all things, that is not what it means. (laughs) You know what? He taught me a long time ago when I was, I'm, this was probably in the 90s. He says, anytime somebody comes to you with gossip, don't listen to what they're saying. Look behind it. Look at the motives behind it. Best advice I've ever gotten. Why would they tell you that? You don't think people try to manipulate people? In God's house? Why would they tell you that? And then my great-grandmother has a saying that some of you just need to listen to. A dog that'll bring you a bone will carry a bone. They'll come to you. Did you hear what so-and-so said about you? Well, let me tell you about blah, blah. And they go right back to so-and-so. You better. Paul said and wrote, beware of dogs. I heard a sermon one time by a guy talking about how there were wild dogs in China. And how Paul was talking about beware of physical dogs. And I thought, man, he might should have prayed a little bit more on that one. That was not what he was talking about. Be careful in the church. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. There's young people in the church, and they're not young, even maybe aged. They're young believers. Guard what you say. Guard how you act. Help teach. 
Are you tempted in church? Yes. Probably more than anywhere else. He took him right there. You know what he did to him at church? Now let's talk about the second fold part of this scripture. He quoted a scripture to him. For it, this is the devil. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee. Is that not true? Absolutely true. David said that in the Psalms. You better be careful. There, I'm telling you, there is a gospel that is going out today that sounds good. And it has this scripture twist to it. But in the end, it's destruction. There's not a harmony. Listen to me. And I don't have time to go over this. Scripture interprets scripture. You cannot, there is no, he said, there's no private interpretation. It's, it's jot upon jot, line upon line, here a little, there a little, and that's how you build the word of God. You, it's, you don't take one scripture and make a doctrine. Do you know why there's so many denominations around this in a 20-mile radius from here? Because so many men took one verse and they completely misconstrued it and they changed everything. They read where Jesus said you got to be confessed and saved and repent and be baptized to be saved. And they said, whoa, well, you got to be baptized to be saved. And they started a whole doctrine on one verse. But see, they forgot in Corinthians where Paul said, confession is made unto salvation. I thank God that I baptized none of you. He didn't send me to baptize. Well, if, self, if baptism was the absolutely most important thing, you don't think Paul would have been dunking them left and right? You, you can't take one verse and make a doctrine out of it. You have to know this. So when the devil tells you this verse, you say that can't be right because it's offset by this verse. And look how Jesus did it. It's awesome. Verse 7. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Now all of a sudden you start to get a harmony of the scripture, what he meant. When he gives his angels charge over thee. That means when you're attacked or assaulted and it's not your own will, he'll protect you. But it also means you can't go and tempt God and try to kill yourself. Okay? I, I think a lot of Christians quote a lot of scripture and they have no idea what they're really quoting. I could make some of you so mad right now. I could quote scriptures that you hold to and I could read what's before it and what's after it and you would see you totally have a belief on something that's out of context. Contextual interpretation of scripture. That's why when people come to me and say, hey, what do you think about me going through all psalm?" I say you should go through all psalm. Now, don't get your license if you're not called to preach and don't do all that stuff. Go get the teaching. Go understand the Bible that you say you believe. I look at people that are always struggling and they always have that one thing in common. They are so busy with everything but the word. They really believe, especially if they've been raised in a Pentecostal church, they really believe there's going to be this service that happens that they just come down and the Holy Spirit falls on them and they're done with the Bible and they're done with everything else and they're just now made like Christ. Nobody would say that, would they? Yeah, but a lot of people live that. They're ready for that one service. It's going to change everything. 
That would be like saying you're waiting on that one honeymoon to Honolulu and it's gonna, your marriage is going to be great from it for the next 30 years. It ain't going to work. Why? Because it's a relationship. Do you enjoy the trip to Honolulu? Yeah. Do I love when the Holy Spirit moves in the church? Absolutely. People need to be set free and refreshed and revived. Sure they do. But they need to be told the opposite side of it too. Now the ball has been bounced to your court. The chains are off you. Use your liberty to serve in love, he said. Amen? Let's go. Verse 8. And again the devil takes him up into exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And says unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now listen. I need you to understand what's happening here. And I'm not going to be long. Some people act like this wasn't a temptation to Jesus. They just skip over this one. By the way, this was a temptation. You need to understand what's happening here. He sees all the glory of the world. And remember Jesus, by the way, was in the beginning when the world was formed and everybody worshipped him as the word of God. Three bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. When he was there, when the angels of God cried, and he was there when creation was made, he had all the glory of God. And now he sees I've got a cross or I can take the cheap road and get the glory. And I'm telling you, I preached Sunday morning, God laid on my heart about the cross of Jesus Christ. He took the cross. And there's a lot of us that we are looking for the glory of this world and people's opinions, and we want to climb to these heights that we think are awesome. Listen, you can't tell me that some of these celebrities and movie stars who are as dumb as can be when you break them down, but they're all of a sudden, everybody likes them. They've made a deal with the devil. This deal is still there. Some people call them Illuminati or whatever you want to call them. I don't believe in any of that garbage, but I do believe in Scripture. And I believe there's a devil on the planet that makes deals with people that says, If you bow, I will give you temporary glory. Men will call your name. We have to be careful that we don't make that deal. Once he makes that deal with you and says, Fall down and just worship me. Listen, this is not a deal that's going to put a black hood on your head and you're not going to be sacrificing humans and be like 666 on your forehead. This is a deal where you want all the praise of men and the power of this earth. There's a lot of men that would tell you they even love God that have made this deal. God's promoted them in corporations. Listen, corporate America's gotten to a place now where you almost can't be successful unless you drink. You're an outcast if you don't partake alcohol. I had a business person take me not too long ago. I said, where are you taking me? And they said, I'm taking you to this place. I said, is it a bar? They're like, no, it's kind of a place. I said, no, 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 no condo. They said, what do you mean? You don't drink? I was like, no, I don't drink. I was like, you don't, I'm a preacher. Well, my preacher drinks. I don't care about your preacher. Like, if it means that I don't gain a status, I'm not bowing to that. Because they don't try to be pushed on you. I'm telling you. Anybody in the corporate world knows, go to one of these big corporations around here Christmas party. 
What are the people jacked up about? We're going to get drunk together. We're going to get excited. We're going to get a drink with the president. We're going to get to have drinks. You don't think that worldly spirit is alive and well today to intimidate the body of Christ? Many men have sold their soul for success right there. They don't even look at it like they bowed to Satan, but they bowed to Satan. Because they couldn't take the cross. The cross is a reproach. And by the way, if they would just hold on, the Bible is full of guys that wouldn't bow down. They got promoted above where they should be. And the Bible is full of scriptures that say God promotes I did this big thing one time where I wasn't going to do any social media, and I didn't. And I had a boss tell me at Alabama Power. She, said, she looked at me and she said, I love you. You're crushing it. But if you don't get a LinkedIn and a Facebook and a Twitter and you don't start networking, you will never, ever get out of where you are. And I just felt like at that time, no social media. That's what the Lord put on my heart. And I thought, man. So I honored the Lord. And within two weeks, I got the exact job I wanted, the Gardnell business office, right by my house. And it taught me something then. Nobody can, you don't have to bow to what people say. God promotes. So if you're in that temptation trying to climb, stop first of all trying to climb. Trust the Lord, and I'm not telling you not to have ambition. A Christian without ambition is kind of weird. I'm just going to tell you that. You should have ambition. You should want to represent God well. The Bible calls it an excellent spirit. You should have an excellent spirit in everything you do. But you also can't let that be construed by Satan to give you a compromising spirit. Amen? Verse 10. Then Jesus says, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11. Then the devil leaves him for a season. Everybody, I want you to stand with me. I don't want the band to come up. I just want everybody to stand. We're going to close. I want you to listen to me. Maybe you were dozing off, and I've got you back. (coughs) There's a scripture in Peter that says, I didn't have time to find it. That says the devil as a roaring lion goes about seeking to whom he may devour. And it says resist him steadfast in the faith. For knowing that it's going to develop in you perseverance. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. If you're in a temptation right now and the devil's attacking you. You need to rest easy that the battle's already won. You think a victory means you come out of the battle. But he actually says in Peter, after you've suffered a while, that God will settle you and establish you and strengthen you. Listen, you can't learn how to overcome Satan if you never fight Satan. You can't understand the authority. Listen, when I first got called to preach, you can ask my dad, or the first night I got saved rededicated. It was in December. And I went down to the altar and got saved. I went home. I was 18 years old. I went home, radically saved. And something walked in my room and stood over my bed. 
And at 18 years old, I climbed in the bed and slept with my mom and my dad. And the next day, I went about my business talking about how saved I was and how thankful I was. And about that night before bed, something walked into my room. And they're like, I don't know about all that. I don't care. It's real. An 18-year-old man sleeping with his parents, something was there. And my granddad was going through this encounter that he calls it, this renewing. And I called him and I was talking to him about the Bible. What's so sad to me is he was going through this experience for months before I got rededicated. Not once did I talk to him and glean from him until I got rededicated. And then I hung on him. I thought, man, I missed some months of just gleaning. But I called him and said, there is a presence in my room. And he said, I'll call you right back. And he hung up the phone. And I felt the presence leave. And within two minutes, Papa called me back and said, it's gone, isn't it? I said, yeah. How, how did that? Like, I was, I don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, I was saying, in the name of Jesus, leave. And as I begin to grow in Christ, I begin to understand something. When he told it from miles away to leave, he had faith in who he was talking to because he's been there and fought those battles. He didn't wait to see in the name of Jesus leave. Let's see what happens. He told it, I take authority over you. You're going to leave that house and I'm not playing in the name of Jesus. And it left. See, when I was saying it, in the name of Jesus, you leave my bedroom, I was waiting to see if it worked. That's not faith. A lot of people claim scriptures and they start quoting all this. We believe and oh, we're, we're healed and blessed in the city and blessed in the... They don't more... They're just babbling. But when you go through some battles, some of you don't even see the beauty of your battle. He is establishing you that when, when I came out of my worst battle, I realized something. I believe this book more than I ever did on a mountaintop. I believe that he keeps his promises more than ever. I believe now he keeps his promises in spite of me. I believe now that this book is forever established and it'll work if you'll work it. And Jesus, when he was our example, when he got attacked, the Bible says you cast down imaginations and every high thing. That word in the Greek is the same word where it says Jesus cast out devils. You've got to get authority over it. I've gotten a place in my life lately that God's got me to. When I start having fiery darts come in, people probably on the highway think I'm crazy, but I don't care. I say, I cast that down in the name of Jesus. I cast that thought to the pits of hell where it belongs. It will not get in here and it will not burn and kill me. You've been in church long. The devil will tell you people don't like you. I don't even think they like me. You're just regurgitating what he just lied to you about. How do you know they don't like you? Well, we don't talk. I haven't seen you talk to them. He'll work your mind. They don't even like you. That's why it says imaginations. Cast it to the ground. Take it. Bring it into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Tonight, if you're going through the battle, we're just going to have a word of prayer and dismiss. Listen. There's no magic bullets. There's not. If we want this church to grow... 
It's going to grow when the people get a solid foundation and God starts bringing them in. It's not going to grow by some magic bullet. I gave up on those a long time ago, Sister Belcher. If we could just do this, if we could give away enough PlayStations, if we could do that, all you did was got a crowd. We got to build our foundation. Everybody's got to catch the vision. But if you're, if you're here tonight and you're battling, I challenge you to get in your word. I challenge you, endure. Thank God through the trials. That sounds crazy. Thank him for them. Because when you come through, you'll be as gold. He will take the chaff and burn it out of you. Look, if you're not in a season of battle right now, thank God for it. I was thinking today when I was studying this, Papa told me there was a time at Adamsville that he went months and months and months and months and months and nothing went wrong at all. Everything was just smooth. Well, the devil left him for a season. It's right in the Bible. I just don't think we grow that much in those seasons where we're not fighting. Amen.